Welcome back to another episode of Inside, Inside Sales. Brought to you by our sponsor, Vanilla Soft, with your host, Daryl Prale. Join us as we interview industry experts in the dramatically growing field of inside sales and sales development. Tune in as Daryl brings you actionable strategies and tactics that can immediately increase your sales and success. So you ready? Hey, Daryl. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, no matter where you are, folks. I am so thrilled, delighted. I am ecstatic, in fact, that you've taken time out of your schedule to join us today for another episode of Inside, Inside Sales. How are you doing? My name is Daryl Prale. I'm with Vanilla Soft, but every week I'm here with you, spending some quality time. I've been on the road a little bit lately. I'm always saying that, aren't I? And I've been on the, the show circuit. I was presenting uh, recently at MarTech Conference, and it's a cool show. We do the East Coast and West Coast version. It's all about things that are all related to, as you might have guessed, marketing technology, which is really, even though it's marketing technology, it's, it's sales and marketing technology. And it's about you know, building your stack out in the operations side, what is now becoming known as revenue operations, kind of sits between sales and marketing to make sure that you have all the information, have all the advantages you need. Uh, so that you, there's no concept of a cold call. It's it's a warm call, right? That you know, you know they've been to your website so many times. They've consumed so many pieces. Here's their reverse IP. We can look them up. We know it came from IBM, from their Raleigh office, whatever. You know, you start to figure it all out. That so many social buying intent signals going on out there. So they've been on your site, but they've also been Googling and looking at other stuff. They've gone to trade shows. I mean, I'm not, all this stuff is real today. It's amazing how much we know about our prospect. And the whole reason we do that is so that when you pick up the phone, when you reach out to them by email, it's so you can actually have a truly warm conversation that you have all this background information. Before you place the call, you've probably checked them out on LinkedIn, perhaps. So you have context, you know, the papers they were consuming, you know, the pains they were searching for answers for, you know, who they are based on their social media profiles, you know, their history, you know, their background. It's amazing isn't it? How far things have gone. The days of working through a phone book, which is going to be foreign to so many of you, and dialing one at a time or getting the local business directory and trying to reach out one at a time with zero contacts are gone. But you know what's interesting is despite having all of this information available to us, and it's plentiful, you really don't know who that person is. And what do I mean by that? I mean, are they an introvert? Are they an extrovert? Do they use big words? Do they use little words? Are they monotone when they talk? Are they loud and boisterous when they talk? Do they have a favorite sports team? Are they passionate about their puppies or their cats or their kids or their grandkids? Do they love to travel? Are they a big fan of pizza? You don't know any of this. And this is important because when you communicate with someone, it's not just about an exchange of ideas. It's also about communicating in a way that they communicate, really. It's not about how you communicate, it's about how they communicate. You know, many schools of thought will say you want to mirror them, although I've seen other schools of thought say that's BS. I'm not sure I agree with that. You know, I've got two kids. They're young adults now. I can look back upon them, and I know I didn't raise them the same, even though they were in the same household and the same roof. 
I didn't talk to them the same way. I didn't discipline them the same way when I needed to convey an idea or have them do something. I instructed them differently because they had their own styles, even though they were my kids. I lived with them all the time. I knew them intimately. I knew the strengths and the weaknesses, and yet I didn't communicate to them. That's the thing. How you communicate is as critical as what you're saying. Right? The classic's not just what you're saying, it's how you're saying it. Well, it's the same thing. We tend to default into our own preferred style. And that's fine initially if you're gonna start off that way. But the shrewd sales professional makes determining that communication style as critical, as prominent in their discovery process as actually figuring out you know, any pains or challenges they may have to make sure it's just something that you can, you can fix. So I guess I ask you that, are you doing that? I know I'm not always good at doing that. I stumbled across that when I'm at the trade shows I'm at, when I'm trying to connect with people and I have to remind myself. And that, my friends, is why we're joined today by Richard Conde. Richard is a rock star when it comes to all this. He is an assistant professor, consultant, sales researcher, and a big arse public speaker, if you know what I'm saying. Um, you might have heard of it, A Smarter Way to Sales Performance and Leadership. He works at the University of Houston downtown. He is down there in the big state of Texas. He's done a ton of research. I've asked him to join me today to share some information he has on communication competencies for sales development reps so that you can be effective. And along the way, I'm going to eavesdrop and I'm going to cherry pick some of the great ideas that he's going to share with us. And I'm going to try them out myself again. And I'll report back and let you know how that went. Richard, you've been very patient with me. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Daryl, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on and it's a great treat for me to, to share some of the research with the group. And at the end, hopefully there are some tactics that people can take away to be more successful in their communication competencies. Well, that's the whole point, right? That's why we do this show specifically. It's all about making my audience a little bit smarter than they were before they began. And I'm as, as anxious as everybody out there listening to this because I want to be better. You know, why wouldn't I? Let's start with some basics, right? Let's kind of baseline this. You've heard my ramble, but you come at it clearly, obviously, from both an academic point of view as well as a data-driven point of view. You've done a lot of research around this. So let's just start with the baseline. Why are communication competencies for the sales professional, why are they so important? Yeah, that's a great question. So as an aside, there is some research that actually shows that people with Better communication competencies have longer lifespans. So just beyond the ability to communicate with people, those who communicate better uh, live longer. There are many reasons why that might be. But if you think about it from a business perspective, how do you change your approach? How do you use the right communication tactics to really understand what your prospect is thinking and how to better communicate to that individual? You know, many times in business, and I'm sure you have experienced this, Daryl, we get a call or we're dealing with a salesperson and they are only focusing on their on the way they communicate, ignoring the way I want to be communicated or ignoring how to listen to individuals. And research is pretty clear on the power of communication and how it increases sales for salespeople. Sadly, there isn't a lot of research for inside salespeople regarding this tactic. However, the limited research shows a great advantage when Inside salespeople, in this case SDRs, focus on five specific items which lead to better sales results. So from a business perspective, it makes sense. And most importantly, 
if you think about it from a customer perspective, I tend to think about it from my perspective is how do I want people to communicate with me? How do I want them to acknowledge what I'm saying? And people who are better at it generally get my attention. We want our customers to get attention because generally people make a decision within the first 30 to 40 seconds. And we want to be able to capture them as quickly as possible. Um, so really, that's one of the most important reasons to have better communication competencies because it allows us to connect with our customer in a more meaningful way. It's interesting to hear you say that because in the past we've had, and I've had a couple different other industry thought leaders in the space, Chris Beal, Benjamin Dennehy, and they always have this concept of when you do a cold call, you've got 30 seconds. And within that first 30 seconds, you better nail it. I think Chris says 27 seconds, but you get the idea. And here you're saying people make a decision in the first 30 to 40 seconds. So it's a recurring theme we see over and over again. Another thing that you talk about, we fall back often on what's in it for me versus what's in it for my prospect. And I can give an example of that. I can't tell you how many times, just in the last, I don't know, the last week, as an example, I get LinkedIn requests. And the LinkedIn requests, I'll, I'll applaud as an example. They're communicating with me. And so instead of a phone or email, it's a LinkedIn request. It's an outreach connection request. And instead of saying, hey, Daryl, uh, you know, I like what you're doing. I saw you speak here. I saw you talk there. I seen your posts. I saw whatever. I saw a comment. We're in the same industry. I'd love to connect. What I get is I get, hey, Daryl, I would love to tell you about my company. <laughs> and when I get those, I just go, nope, because that's not a relationship. That's nothing. And that's, I want to connect. Talk about style. Other people will probably really connect with that person, but that's not how I connect. And so, no, that wasn't 30 seconds. That was five. And I said, nope, gone. And I over and over and over again. And the worst part is I want to tell these people, you do realize I'm saying no, and this is why, but there's no mechanism to do that. So I feel bad doing it, but my time is too busy and that's how sales works. Yeah, that's a great point. And Daryl, great SDRs, great salespeople really adapt to their customer. And there are a number of ways to adapt. You know, we're going to talk about communication competences today, but there are other ways that people adapt and I'm doing additional research on those subjects. But to your point, we have to think about our customers or our prospect because they have a different background, different perspectives, different biases, different reference points than we have. So we need to acknowledge those and connect in a way they want to be connected. Talk to me about your research. What did you do? If you can share some of the, the findings of the output of that. What's interesting, there's actually a theory called speech accommodation theory. Who would have thought that, right? And uh, the theory really talks about how individuals vary their speech rate, their vocal pitch, their vocal intensity, and other communication patterns to accommodate listeners. So recently, uh, recently last year, I read an article by Downing, and he did some work on inside salespeople, actually, which is only the second or third article of research specific to that. His research was a little bit different than mine. What he focused on was he used coaches to identify key competencies that sales agents use during the conversation, and he tracked it to sales results. And what he found was that the better sales agents had these five key competencies. So I was curious about that. What I did was I took it a step farther and I did a, a real life experiment with a company. And we were able to utilize uh, five different high performers and five low performers. And we tested them utilizing 10 customers with each communication competence. So for example, during a call, we would have the salesperson utilize only one of the competencies. And then we tracked the outcome of the call. So we had a large data set, uh, which our dependent variable was conversion, right? So we wanted them to convert. Was what I found was, was that when as each, as an agent increase or use more of the competencies 
their sales conversion increased. When they use two versus three, I mean, two versus one, it increased accordingly. Now, what was interesting is when they use all five of their competencies, it had an expound effect on the results where sales conversion was four times higher than if they only use four of the competencies. Wow. So they used five. It was four times better than using four, but four is better than three and three is better than two. That's dramatic. All right. So what are the five competencies? And the thing is, there's nothing really unusual about the competencies. It's about how we communicate. And they're very simple, but yet most people don't do a very good job specifically on the phone utilizing these five competencies. So the first one is really simple. Speak at an appropriate rate. Now, most people speak at about 150 words a minute. Now, think about it. If you have a customer in the southern part of the United States, generally individuals in certain states in the south speak at lower rate. But we as SDRs, the salespeople, we tend to continue with our pace regardless if our target customer speaks maybe a lower rate or a faster rate. So it's really important to mirror, and I agree with you actually a comment you made earlier, to mirror a customer. And if you target someone who has a lower rate, you got to speak at their preferred rate. And it's a simple, it's a simple concept, but many people don't take in consideration the geography of their prospect, maybe the age. You know, some people may speak a little bit slower when they're older or, or, or not. Geographical, culturational background. So for example, your culture can make a difference. I tend to speak very fast and some of that comes from my, my Latino background. So I have to be really wary when I'm speaking with someone to slow down because naturally I speak really fast. So when I'm speaking to a prospect or I'm doing a presentation, I have to be uh, cognizant of the rate of my speech. So that's number one. So it's pretty, pretty basic, right? That is basic. I'm going to hold you right there. I want, I want to be like that cliffhanger end of the season thing. That's number one, basic stuff. But I love this, guys. We talked about all the information available to you now, like warm leads, because you can go to LinkedIn, you get all the stuff, you know, the region they're in. You can get an idea of their age and their profile picture. There's lots of clues that will lead you to going into that call because you should be planning your call out, right? So you're planning your call. Part of that is speak at that appropriate rate. And you'll figure it out very quickly once you're into that call, if you got it right or not, you can adjust then. But in the meantime, always have a plan. There's four to go. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. CRM was designed for managing relationships. Sales engagement is designed for starting them. Current stats indicate that sales reps only contact new leads about 50% of the time and make less than two attempts to contact them and they're only about 35% productive. CRM is the wrong tool to engage sales prospects. VanillaSoft is an engagement platform. It allows you to rapidly turn marketing qualified leads into sales qualified leads. According to user reviews, VanillaSoft will increase your pipeline and productivity by three times or more by ensuring each new sales lead is engaged within seconds persistently and with the cadence that's optimal for your prospects. Don't let your sales leads fall into a black hole. Take your lead engagement and sales qualification out of your CRM. Try VanillaSoft for free at VanillaSoft.com. All right. I'm keen to hear the next four. But before I do that, if you folks are interested, Keenan and I, had a whole conversation when we had a debate about the 
you talk about communication styles here. I was debating with him about the use of expletives, swear words, colorful language in the use of your sales. You can check that out on the Vanilla Soft website. It's really kind of, it was a great debate. Part of that was the whole idea of mirroring. Keenan is an example of someone who doesn't agree in his book, Gap Selling. He talks about that. Again, in sales, you want to pick and choose the advice you hear. I love this advice where we're hearing today from Richard, because this is based on an actual academic study. There is no bias. There's no influence. There's no preferences. This is just raw data. Love it. That's number one. Speaking at an appropriate rate, bring on number two, Richard. Number two is something you're doing really great at right now is emphasize important points, but changes of pitch and volume. So during the introduction, you were doing a great job with your volume and your pitch, emphasizing things that were important. So how many times during a, a prospecting call does an SDR just follow the same monotone format? Or maybe they have a script or maybe they're being asked to say certain things. But certain things are more important than others. And good salespeople, good communicators know how to adjust their pitch and volume. It's very interesting how you capture someone's attention, but just a mere change in how you say something. And that makes the person on the other side of the phone, wow, wow that must be important. I need to listen to that. And again, that's a very simple tactic, but many people don't take advantage of being able to fluctuate how they say things. It's funny to hear you say that because I've gotten that feedback before. One, I would agree with that point you're making because people subconsciously are looking for those visual and audible cues of when they should pay attention. And I know one of the advice I give to even my fellow public speakers, for example, is you got to mix up your pace and you got to make up your inflections on stage, which is the same as being on the phone so that the audience knows when, okay, pay attention now. This is a real sweet nugget. You don't want to miss this. And I've even had people say to me, when I do videos, I get feedback from them like, I love how you're, you're pacing, you're walking, and all of a sudden you stopped, and then you said something. And we knew when you stopped that there was gold coming, even though I hadn't said anything yet. So again, it's people are conditioned and trained to look for these cues. To your point, leverage them. Love that. Point number three. Third point is acknowledge or paraphrase what the customer said. How many times have you been speaking with someone, you hear silence, or you can sort of tell that the person's at the same time looking at something on the internet not paying full attention? People like to be rewarded for their behaviors. So when you paraphrase, we acknowledge what they said, it validates them as a consumer. But many people are so used to wanting to get their pitch out or wanting to make sure that what they want to say gets out, that they often don't have conversation with the, with the prospect or the client. Again, it is, these five things are very basic, very simple, but they're so powerful when they use them in tandem with each other. And everybody wants to feel good. And the way to make sure you also understand what the, the other person's saying is to paraphrase, acknowledge them, because you'll, you'll have them continue along with you in the conversation. Imagine if I said something, you didn't respond anyway. I'm like, is that guy there? Is he, is he listening to me? Did he acknowledge me as a consumer? And many SDRs are so concerned with getting out what they need to say that they forget the important part of a conversation is listening and acknowledging the other person. And that goes back, folks, we've talked about this before in past episodes about mindset. Mindset is not just about the ability to handle rejection, for example, or whatnot. Mindset's also the, the fact that you've got to be consciously and intentionally of a mindset that you want to hear. It's not about you trying to go blah and get it all out because you're scared, you're worried, you want to do it before they hang up on you. It's about having, I'm here to have a conversation. It's funny, Richard, when you said, paraphrase what the customer said, Years ago, so literally in this next week coming up, my wife and I are celebrating 30 years of marriage, which I can't understand how that's remotely possible because <laughs> I'm not the easiest person to live with. But one of the things we did along the years 
Because we would occasionally go to these little, you know, it's called a study group periodically, and there were different things. And, and often it was about your marriage. And we went to one one time where it was about communication between couples. And one of the pieces of advice was, you know, when you're having a fight with your spouse, and this is, folks, this is actually quite similar to a phone call with a prospect, is to paraphrase. So if my wife was yelling at me, but something I was doing that she found frustrating, my point would be to paraphrase back to her to make sure I got it right and she felt heard, which was, so what I'm hearing you say, honey, is that when I leave the toothpaste cap off the toothpaste, that makes you upset and you would like me to put the cap on the toothpaste. Is that what I heard? Is that correct? And if I got it wrong, she's going to correct me. But if I got it right, she's going to go, yeah, and she's going to feel validated. And ironically, even by me paraphrasing, I truly better understand what I need to do to remedy the situation. Yeah, that's exactly right. You can use that as a learning for the next conversation, which is critical as well. I love it. Point number four. Use short affirmative words and sounds to indicate you've listened. That's important, right? Uh, it kind of ties into the third one, but you want to use affirmative words and you don't want to go on forever to your point. You want to give that quick acknowledgement and do it positively, but do use short words because that gets the other person engaged in the conversation. In my study, when I listened to many of these calls, when we didn't, when we, the individuals who didn't get to this fourth, it was amazing ones that did, how more engaged the person seemed just listening to them because they felt more validated. So three and four sort of go together and tie with one another. It's funny because that's probably one of the areas that I'm weak. I like to talk. <laughs> and sometimes, <laughs> why say something in one or two seconds with short affirmative words when I can say it in five seconds? I'm conscious of that. I've been blessed with some good coaches over the years, and but it's something I, I have to constantly be very intentional about. But I love that because the short affirmative words not only affirms them to your point, I think it sets a cadence to the conversation. You know, it's a rhythm. And so I've acknowledged this, boom, let's move on to the next point and, you know, and I'll get all the information, then I'll come back. So it feels like we're, we're making progress. I love that. I, and I feel like I'm, I'm not wasting my time talking to you. That's nice. Point number five, the fifth point. And the fifth point, uh, use language that customer can understand. So my data set was in the financial industry and it was interesting when we had individuals get to the fifth point. We purposely asked some of the sales agents to use jargon or synonyms that are common in the industry. And it was amazing. So the disconnect that the customer had, there's some studies that indicate that we communicate at an eighth grade level. If you have a technical product, if you have whatever it might be, you really need to think about it. How would you communicate that to an eighth grader, right? Make it simple. People want to understand what you're saying and sharing. But sometimes we get too technical or we use uh, too much jargon that's coming in the industry when someone may not feel comfortable or their synonyms may be different, acronyms, excuse me, may be different between companies or industries. By being a basic communicator, keeping eighth grade level has a great impact on the listener. So that's almost somewhat counterintuitive because a part of me is thinking, you know, if I drop a few, you know, industry pieces of jargon, some TLAs, et cetera, that they would understand that I obviously am an expert in their industry and they should trust me. And yet what I'm hearing you say is perhaps, you know, you can do that in a little bit, but really it's more so about keeping it very simple, grade eight level, so that we, we can ensure that we are all saying the same thing and we're avoiding any misunderstandings because maybe my expectation of the acronyms and the jargon is actually different from what they're using. And that, and that could cause confusion. Correct. Again, my dad said it was in a financial industry, but it was really interesting sort of the disengagement, I call it, when 
yep. the uh, salesperson try to use really technical terms because for them it's like, hey, help me understand it in my, in my way, my language, which I think leads to also depends who you're speaking to, right? If you're speaking to a very heavy tech person, you may want to use maybe more because they understand it. But generally when we're prospecting, we don't really reach the decision makers right off the bat. All right, let's recap. I know we're tight on time here. So let's just, the wonderful five things you folks have learned today. And I love we can have like five things. It's just a magic number for me. When it comes to communication competencies, you can have a dramatic impact on your success, especially when you use all five of these, as you heard Richard talk about. One, speak at an appropriate rate. Did you see what I did there? I slowed down. Two, emphasize important points in changes of pitch and volume. Yeah, I'm being facetious. Three, acknowledge or paraphrase what the customer said. Four, use short affirmative words and sounds to convey that you've listened. And five, use language that the customer can understand. Do that. Do all of that, my friends, and your life is going to get a heck of a lot better. And it's not just hearsay. This is an academic study. They've got the data to back it up. Richard, if they want to follow you online or learn more about you, or they just want to become a student of yours, what's the best way to reach out and connect with you? Is it LinkedIn or are there other vehicles that you recommend? Yeah, so LinkedIn is is um, probably number one. But also I have a Twitter handle called InsideSalesGeek.com. I'm the only current academic that used to be an inside sales executive. And I only focus on inside sales research. So I am the only one in the world that has that combination. And all of my research is inside sales specific and it varies on different topics. Um, but inside sales at inside sales geek is my Twitter handle and uh, UHD. We have one of the only handful sales MBA programs in the United States. Uh, we're working on some online MBA options, but for now we have hybrid classes. So if you're in the Texas area, if you want to move to Houston, we're preparing what we call sales leaders 3.0. Because we realize that sales is quickly evolving. Technology is key. And we want to prepare the leaders for what's coming, not what has happened in sales. There you have it. The inside sales geek telling you to take your career to a whole nether level with an MBA and be a leader in the industry. I love it. Richard Conde on the communication competencies you need to be a more effective sales reps. We're out of time here today, folks. My name is Daryl Prell. I'm with Vanilla Soft. This is Inside inside sales. We will talk to you again next week. Take care, folks. Bye-bye. You've been listening once again to another episode of Inside, Inside Sales, hosted by Daryl Prale, the CMO of VanillaSoft. Tune in every other week for actionable ideas to increase your sales productivity. One of the many shows on the ever-growing Funnel Radio Channel, sponsored by Vanilla Soft. <laughs> <laughs>